Hello and welcome to the RPG Academy podcast. My name is Michael, and we are here this morning for another episode of the recently rechristened TTRPG crowdfunding review show. This will be episode 12. Joining me as always is my co-host Larry. Larry, say hello to everyone. Hello, everyone. How are you today? I'm doing well, sir. Happy to have you back on the pods. And then joining us today as a special guest co-host is Sean from the Gaming and BS podcast. Sean, say hello to everyone. Hey, everybody. Thanks, Michael and uh, Larry, for having me on the show. I appreciate it. Oh, happy to have you, brother. Uh, So just in case anybody out there is not yet already familiar with your show, uh, what's the elevator pitch? What is Gaming and BS podcast about? So BS is uh, a double entendre, if you will. It's uh, the obvious moniker, and then it also stands for Brett and Sean. Uh, Brett is my co-host. We've been podcasting. It's a general uh, system agnostic uh, RPG podcast, so we talk a lot of different topics mostly around with an emphasis on game mastering, but we've been doing it over seven and a half years and just dropped episode 379 uh, as of a day of this recording. So Okay. So you have a lot to choose from. If somebody's listening to this and they're like, hey, that Sean guy, he's got his stuff together. I want to go check out that podcast. Is there a particular episode? Should they start with number one? Should they start with 379? Do you have a, this is a good introductory to our show episode? So the running joke for about 100 episodes of those were to, if you come across us, start with episode one and work your way forward. But uh, that might be pretty daunting. So I mm. I think it's, uh, there isn't a flagship sh- uh, episode that I would say, here's where it is. But with most podcasts, I think people find their groove probably after episode 10-ish, you know? Mm-hmm. So um they could find us at gamingnbs.com or their podcatcher of choice, and they can kind of peruse that. So Okay. Well, hopefully somebody will listen to this today and go check that out for you. Uh, but what we're going to do today is we always do. Uh, each of the hosts has brought two, threes, four, sometimes campaigns that are currently crowdfunding on any of the various platforms. And we're just going to talk about them. So some of these are might be the ones everyone has seen and it's hit a million dollars. There might be a few that maybe are uh, undiscovered gems. And by spot, you know spotlighting them, maybe we'll get them over their funding goal. But we shall just see what we see. Uh, I'm actually going to start off today, and the first one I'm bringing to the table is Dungeons and Dinos, and this is a card game. It is on the Kickstarter platform. It has been created by Nomnivore Games. This is their second game they've created. They've backed 18. Their previous game was an RPG called Emberwind, which was delivered about a year late, but it seems to have been you know well received. But uh, again, that was their first one, and it's become a common theme. Uh, the first campaigns usually take longer than people anticipate, and it took a little longer to get fulfilled. Uh, Dungeons and Dinos, I did this on Friday. I did not have time to check it up, so some of these numbers may be two days outdated. But when I looked at it on Friday, it was at 29% funded, which is just a little over 2000 on a goal of 6700 converted to U.S. I think this is a Canadian game. That seemed like an odd, weird number, but maybe that's because of the conversion. Uh, so it has 25 days to go as of recording. It ends on May 19th. And basically what this game is, it's a easy-to-learn, family-friendly card game where players assemble a team of cute, would-be adventurers that sow chaos throughout their home in a half-collaborative and half-competitive quest to take down the big bad. You can dominate your friends by strategically stealing their kills and hoarding loot as the game ramps up to an intensity with every room in the quote-unquote dungeon that you explore. 
What dangers, treasures, and exciting fun will you uncover as you menace about the house? Uh, the game should take 15, 25 minutes to play, ages 10 and up. If you go to the Kickstarter, and again, there will be links in the show notes to all these. They do have a free download of the rules, so you can read the rules and see how it works. Essentially, you're going to have a deck of cards. You know, this probably plays similar to other card games you've played. You're going to choose which big bad you want to use, and you're going to mix their cards and their particular, like, I don't think they're called minions, but like the other bad guys that go with the big bad you choose. You mix them all together in this deck, and then you flip them over one at a time, and you kind of explore the dungeon. The dungeon is actually a house. So it's like you go into like the laundry room and the kitchen and then like the magical items might be like a popsicle or a glass of water. So it's, you know, it's very much sort of aimed at kids. It's, you know, the artwork is kind of almost cherubish, I would say. Like, you know, they have these like uh, sort of rounded, big eye, goofy looking uh, characters, which it just seems kind of fun. I think very kid friendly. There are currently, at least again, as of Friday, there were seven early bird pledges left, which would get you the base game for 27 US. The regular pledge is 31, so it's like four bucks cheaper if you get one of those spots that are remaining. Uh, the base game gets you 12 Nomnosaur cards, 19 baddie cards, 18 loot cards, two big bad cards, three ouchie tokens, and uh, three rule cards in the tuck box for the game. For $149, you get that game and all three of the Emberwind RPG books from their previous Kickstarter. And for $1,200, they will take um, an image of your pet and put it into the game as one of the uh, either creatures or big bads or, or that kind of thing. Um, as, as of Friday, no one had taken them up on that, so there's still two of two left. And then delivery is expected, expected September of this year. But again, just throwing it out there. Last game was a year late. Maybe give them a little bit longer before you'd expect it. All right. So, Larry, any thoughts on Dungeons and Dinos? Yes. Uh, the, especially with the playtime and the young age that it's designed for, seems like that would be a great one to get into for this style. And it sounds like you've got enough monsters, big bads that you can mix in to where you're going to have a lot of replayability to it. So it seems like a good game to get into and uh, just to explore if you want to look into this type. Um, it's piqued my interest. Yeah, I, I look for games that I can play with my kids, and they're probably honestly a little too old for this at this point. But like they might play it a couple times, but I don't think it's something we would get to the table all the time. But it seems like it would be fun. I do, I'm kind of a sucker for some like cheeky uh, humor, and my, one of my later ones is really hardcore on that. But I just kind of like the idea here. Supposedly, it is based off of Dungeons and Dragons. Like they they kind of m- mention that, and like one of the really high stretch goals, which right now they're nowhere near, is to add some additional cards that are more closely themed to D anD. d So I don't know. It seems like a fun little game. They've already fulfilled one Kickstarter, even though it was late. It seems like they do. You know, they will get this done at some point. I think. I also think an RPG book, RPG with three books versus a you know what, 90 deck of cards, probably a smaller production cycle. And I think that might be a good step into the right, you know, probably decided to step down from what they did the first time. So I I think this is something that you'll, you will probably get if you back it probably within a closer time frame of when they expect. What about you, Sean? Any thoughts on this one? Full disclaimer, I don't have children, so it's uh, probably not the target audience, though I understand that some people can play games regardless of age. Yep. Um, so I, I definitely get that. Um, no, I hope they, I hope they hit the goal. I don't know if that's 
a good indicator based on their timeline. Um, you know, they say what you, I don't know what the stats got uh, that you guys might know of. If it's funded certain, like before the halfway point, it's, you know, 90% chance of having it funded all the way. So, um, I mean, the, the, the more, the better as far as I'm mm-hmm. concerned. So especially if it in brings in kids into the gaming mm-hmm. sphere, right? It's not shoots and ladders, so maybe it's a stepping stone into the RPG realm. That'd be nice. Right. Yeah. And generally speaking, when I look at these Kickstarters, or again, any crowdfunding, I keep saying Kickstarters is like universal term, but we do look at all the platforms. It's Kleenex. I, I, it, it pretty much. <laughs> I try to separate the person who runs a gaming convention because this is definitely something I would want for the Academy Game Library. I think that would be a great addition to that. But I try to pick ones based off of Michael's desires, not necessarily, you know, Academy. But, you know, that's me because, again, I think my kids are a little too old for this one. But I think this is something that would be a great addition because we do have a few kids that usually come and it's, you know, harder to find things for them to do. So that maybe that was like 90-10 in the back of my mind. Sure. All right. Larry, so what do you got for us today, sir? Uh, the first one I wanted to bring was from Indiegogo, the platform. This one is called Rat King's Sewer. The tagline for this one is, A rat ate a jewel. Who has the jewel? Who has the rat? <laughs> I'd like to find out myself. <laughs> so uh, this one is another one of the adventures uh, from Necromancer Games. They've been doing uh, these for a while now uh, using the Indiegogo platform. They've been, I, I've, I've backed several of them in the past, so I do keep an eye out for when they have a new one here. Um, I like the whole point of this one. They said came from a challenge. Um, the idea behind it is, uh, Ken Spencer wrote this and he's written, written a couple of their other ones that they've done recently. And, and again, done on, uh, Indiegogo here. The idea behind this one was a challenge that he took up to create and take any environment and make at least a portion of it into a dungeon crawl. So this is an urban, it starts in a, in a city, so it's urban based, but the idea is you're going to be looking for this jewel that was dropped into the sewer. Um, it reminded me of the, the Batman uh where he he starts out uh, they're leaving the theater his mother's jewels get stolen by uh you know the ring of or pearl necklace gets taken by the uh, criminal and they just go scattering well in a similar setup um a lady of the city's ex- vastly expensive uh necklace was uh, shattered when she and her party of uh, bodyguards was attacked outside in an alley one of her the largest gems fell uh into a sewer and was literally seen to be eaten by a giant rat down there. So the idea is you're going to be trying to recover that as the rest of the city's also interested in going after this jewel because there's a large reward for it. So that's the the pitch for it is why would you go into a sewer in the first place? Money, of course, right? All right, yeah. Um, so this one, uh, again, is going to be in the same style that they've done their other ones, it's going to be available in a fifth edition D and D version, or you can get the OSR compatible version. And that's based on the swords and wizardry rules rule set. This one's going to be running through May 12th. Um, Necromancer games. This is the 17th one that they've brought to the Indiegogo platform and they've, they've all funded and they usually have a, a fairly low goal. This one was at a $500 flexible goal. They are up to almost 2,400 at this point with um about a hundred backers. So they seem, this seems to be a fairly success, successful way for them to go on this. And they offer a PDF version uh, for $12. Uh, 
Uh, this is expected to be delivered in July of this year. They offer a soft cover and PDF version for $24 uh, in August. Now, for international customers, they offer a print-on-demand version that will be fulfilled through DriveThruRPG, so you don't have to deal with uh, having it shipped uh, from the U.S. So mm. that helps, uh, you know, with the overseas folks. You can also get uh, a double package with two soft covers and, and two. Uh, PDFs, if you wish. That way, you can mix and match. You can get a uh, have the choice to get the 5e version or the OSR version in your PDF or your soft cover. So, you can either get more for friends or get yourself multiple uh, copies with different rule sets in it. However you know, suits you. There aren't any stretch goals for this one. Um, again, it's expected in uh, July for the PDF and August for the print versions. Um, they're printing them in Arizona and shipping them out. So if you order it and you don't get the international version, they'll be coming from Arizona and they're saddle stitched. Uh, the printer of uh, print on demand ones are perfect bound and again, are shipped uh, from other, other places. So the shipping's cheaper there for your folks outside the U S this one is set up for a tier two or either late tier one and most of tier two for fifth edition games or the suggested levels four to six for your OSR players. Um, and it would be two to six players uh, as far as your party size goes. So it's not your introductory adventure that you're expected to have a few levels under your belt uh, before mm -hmm. you go into this one. So um, they, again, they didn't have any uh, stretch goals for this one. Um, and you've got your two system availability for it, but I like the hook of it uh, to get you into the sewer. Uh, the majority of it, it does mention, is a dungeon crawl under the city. So you're going to be down in the the gutters and the sewers. But it does make mention that there are some pieces of it that will still be uh, outdoor available as far as your character classes. So like your rangers aren't going to be stuck with having nothing to do. Your druids are going to have some things that they have uh, put into the adventure to still make them effective. You know, so your hands aren't tied if you're used to being more of a wilderness type character. Right. So I, mean, I think it's okay to like, sometimes you do a dungeon crawl. That's just part of the gig. If you're playing, you know, these types of games every now and then, you, but as long as it doesn't take like, you know, 17 sessions you should be okay yeah this is not a mega dungeon uh, or anything it's designed to be played in a couple sessions but uh, again this is different because a lot of theirs that they've been releasing this way have been either straight up first level characters or you know first level osr fifth edition compatible you know starter beginner adventures and this one's got some uh a little more meatiness to it a little more danger at, at for your higher level characters i think that makes sense just from a business model that you know once they've gotten people quote unquote hooked on their products they can't just keep doing first level again like eventually you got to give them something to do after one of the other ones so. someone's going to level up eventually right eventually you would think so and then i just want to quickly mention go back to mine i didn't mention it i'm pretty sure shipping is extra on all three of the ones that i cover today so if i didn't mention that shipping is it would be extra over that so all right so sean do you have any experience with any of these uh, uh you know necromancer style games any of these products or just any thoughts on this one not necromancer games. I mean, I know of the company from from back in the day, and I know that I thought at one point Frog God might have merged or taken over their product line, but I don't know how where that is now. I think they even had some three o three five product back in the day, like modules and adventures, yes. um, kind of in the spirit of of old school, but being able to play in the three five uh, d twenty OGL kind of era. So I know that. They're, you know, as far as I'm concerned, the reputation's good. Uh, I, I don't 
come across stuff that I just uh, don't care for when it comes from Necromancer games. Um, with this particular one, I, I you know it might be interesting to run. You know, especially low level sometimes is the one to three level adventures are always a good niche to to get into. Like I always mm-hmm. remember growing up and some of those you play through the only first of three first through third level adventures and there might be this many, you know, five and that's kind of it. So you rehash them over and over or bring up your own. So it's, you know, sometimes these, these beginner ones are always good to get into. Yeah, you're right, Sean. They do, they, they list um, Frog God Games as a sister company. And sure. yeah, I did, I'd had several of their products from Necromancer in the early days. They, I think they did the old uh, Rapon Athuk mega dungeon that was spanned several books. But yes, you're right. Old, old school flavor type in this and uh, nailed it. Yeah. <laughs> Excellent. All yeah, right. I, so that, oh, go ahead. I was just going to say, I always try to look at game or an Indiegogo and game found for something. And this is one that had just recently popped up. So I was glad to see it. And it's their adventures have been good so far. And it's nice to see one, like you mentioned, that's not a beginning adventure. So, you know, you're going to maybe be able to grow with them as they continue to increase in uh, levels too. All right. Very cool. All right, so Sean, that brings us to your first campaign of today's uh, review. So, what have you got for us? So, I I want to probably I'll bring up uh, Ar- Arcana Augmented Reality. I don't know if you guys is it a pirate thing? Arcana. No. So the A R capital A R, mind you, is augmented uh-huh. reality, not to be ah. mistaken for pirates. But although, mm. Michael, I I would give you credit for that. <laughs> it's done by Mirrorscape. So this is the first one that they have created, uh, the company. And uh, they've backed a couple. And it's so they have a little bit of oomph by the name of uh, Joe Manganiello. I don't know if you've heard of that guy. Uh, But apparently he's part of that company. Like he's one of. Yeah. So he has a seat at the table. And uh, I've seen some advertisements on Instagram specifically where Joe's come up and talked about this application. So it is augmented reality app. It does, uh, let's see, I think the goal is $50,000 and they're sitting at $313,776. So it's fully funded. And then as of this recording, it's got seven days to go in the campaign. Lots of different levels with lots of different configurations. So if you wanted to back it without a reward, it's it's ten bucks. And then the first one is the first one has it's thirty dollars to start in with the app. So it includes the app, starter train and mini set, which is probably the augmented reality pieces that you can get within the app to use. As five times uh, or five pieces of the Hero Forge starter minis. So maybe I should be mentioning that as well. So they have partners in on this with them to include Dwarven Forge. If you've heard of Dwarven Forge, they do all the 3D terrain, uh, dungeon terrain. And then Fat Dragon Games does a lot of work and product in the, I think, digital or the print. Uh, 3D printing space, like you could get plans and print 3D printing things. Reaper minis, uh, which if you guys are talking about Kickstarters and and crowdfunding, 
uh, Reaper always has the big bones minis, Kickstarters. Mm-hmm. Yep. So they're known for their miniatures. And then Hero Forge is online where you can do a custom miniature. So they're teamed up with all four of those orgs. And so when I talk about the reward pieces, if it references Hero Forge, that, that's the reason why. So there's a 10X Reaper digital zombie and skeleton minis. Um, that I would imagine Reaper designed and has allowed them to use in their app. And then all unlocked stretch goals. And then all these reward levels are going to be estimated delivery at uh, October of 2022. So it's not, it doesn't appear to be, you know, a year, two year release cycle for this. I imagine it's probably because they, they've got some type of working, you know, demo that they've, they're going to elaborate on. Right. So then it goes up from there. $50 or more gets you even more of those starter minis, terrain packs, Reaper, um, skeleton minis, unlimited hosting. So there's a hosting component, early beta access to the first thousand backers, and then stretch goals. And then it goes up to $80, even more. Like it seems to be more and more and more, right? Excuse me, more virtual products that are involved. Um, and then of course the $150 level path of the master has some interesting things, 10 Kickstarter exclusive props that they're offering. And then uh, I'm going to skip a few cause they've got 250 level, a thousand dollar level. And then what do you get at the thousand dollar level? Right. You get the Arcana app, starter train and mini set five times the, or five each of the hero forge starter mini six of the digital train packs, 10 of the Reaper Digital Zombie and Skeleton Minis, 10x uh, of the Reaper Digital Goblin and Kobold Minis, Orc and Troll Minis, Werewolf and Vampire Minis, Hosting, uh, Early Beta Access, 10 Kickstarter Exclusive Props, You in the Hall of Heroes, so I don't know if they put you in the app itself necessarily, Um, and then all unlocked stretch goals. And there are, for the record... 50 of that thousand hour level and there has been 16 people that have backed it at the thousand hour level um so it is for it's a standalone software app for ios and android devices Mm -hmm. that utilizes the ar camera in your devices allowing you to create a 3d landscape to build and play with so it's going to be distributed through the apple app store and Google Play, and then they plan to release Arcana near the end of 2022, but they don't have an exact date necessarily at this time. Uh, depends on how the campaign goes, obviously, which looks promising. Sure. And then pledging the Kickstarter gets you a variety of starter set and access to discounted terrain, which I mentioned in mini packs uh, and things of that nature. So they have it all broken down, which I kind of highlighted there. So it's sure it's an int- I mean. We on the podcast every once in a while will talk about innovation in RPGs, mm-hmm. and you know while some of us true pen, paper, and dice aficionados may may not be um, overly intrigued by this, but I think maybe down the road, or some of us that want to make things a little bit quicker, have more flexibility in managing it via digital, and then have everybody look at it at a table and have it just there. I think it's interesting. Yeah, we we covered an AR one a while back, but like certainly like a lower scale. This is like a spell effect one where you had these like 
reticular cards. And if you looked at them through your camera, you would see like a spell effect. And, you know, I, I still hope that before I die, we have hollow deck level <laughs> technology where I can like fully immerse myself in like a role playing game. But I really think AR is, is where the, the game is going. I think that's more likely going to be a, you know, you're going to keep getting that more and more developed. So this definitely is a step in that direction. I think I'm too old of a too old of a fuddy duddy. I don't know that I like. I don't even want to use Dwarven for it. Like I don't use minis and maps at all anyway. So a digital version doesn't really do it for me. But I bet there's a lot of people. Obviously, this you know the the Kickstarter is like six times funded that are interested in this and seeing where it goes. So yeah. What about you, Larry? Any interest in this or any thoughts? Yeah, when he mentioned Joe Manganiello, I, I remember I've seen the ads on. I think it was Facebook. I saw them for this particular product. And looking through their stretch goals and everything, wow, it's it's very ambitious. Um, but you know, like they've they funded over three hundred thousand, unlocked several stretch goals already. It seems to me like you mentioned or Dwarven Forger earlier. I, I don't know how hard it seems like that's an I an idea of if you're playing in person, if you jump into Dwarven Forge or one of those fat dragon, you know, where you start buying the pieces, it seems like a dice obsession. Or if you start, mm-hmm. it's easy to, you need another one. You need another one. With this, at least with it being virtual like this, you can have all these pieces and you can still play with them, you know, with your buddies in California or, or Wisconsin, if you have friends there. So that's... No one does. That's <laughs> just cheese lovers. <laughs> Sorry. Um, I feel attacked. Completely destroyed <laughs> me, Michael. I just want to get to the machine shop up there and eat some of their uh, cottage cheese one day. But uh, anyway, yeah, as far as the VR or sorry, the AR goes here, what an ambitious project. And it's, it, it does seem like the end of the year, 2022 is when they're shooting to release this. And wow. Um, if you're going to go in on this, there's many opportunities to go all in and really get a nice pile of stuff to uh, build your uh, scenes with. Mm-hmm. Looks great. Um, and with the uh, stretch goals coming, they have the possibility of unlocking all the miniatures for uh, most of the D&D 5e monsters, I believe, unlocks at several hundred thousand more. So mm-hmm. you just keep going. All right. Very cool. So uh, moving on, this is my second campaign of the week, and this is called Tug of Warriors. And this was created by the Sun Kickstarter. This was created by Plastic Hand Games. They're third created. They've backed two. Of the three they've created, one of them was canceled, so it just wasn't being funded. They canceled it early. The other one was successfully delivered, and it was basically some, like, dungeon tiles. So it was, like, you know, cardboard-printed, modular, dual-sided dungeon tiles sort of packed. This project, as of Friday, was 31% funded, which is a little over 2,000 on a goal of 6,500. It also has 25 days to go as of recording. ends on May 19th. And Tug of Warriors is a two-player competitive game, Tug of War. Welcome to the Apocalypse. And that's right there is exactly why I picked this one. So you build a deck of pullers from those. I think if there's 25 available, you pick like 15, I think, and then you shuffle them into a deck. Uh, then each you and your opponent will simultaneously... Uh, so you draw three cards of the three, you pick one, put the other two on the bottom of your deck. And then it's like three, two, one, you reveal. Uh, and then you basically, you have like this little tracker piece of cardboard that has a, a tracker marker that starts at zero and goes to either side. And you move the marker in the direction of who has the best pull at that point. Um, you do, you repeat until you have five 
pullers on each side, and then you can start stacking no more than three. So that's where all 15 of your cards will go. And in each of your pullers has different stats, like how hard they pull. And there's other, you know, like other map that builds into it. Eventually, uh, one side will win and then you count points. So you don't actually win by winning the tug of war. You win by having the highest point total at the end of the game and certain cards will like offset the other person. So the strategy isn't just to try to pull the token. It's to sort of like see what your opponent is doing, what tuggers they are using, and then sort of like countering that. There is also apparently a way to cheat. Certain cards are labeled as cheating cards, but if you get caught cheating, you automatically lose. So there is an element to how and when you cheat to whether or not you also get caught cheating. Again, it seemed kind of silly. There's not a lot of two-player competitive games, you know, outside of like, you know, Magic and the ones that take a very long time. This is a pretty quick game, you know, it takes 10, 15 minutes to play. Uh, there is also a free rule book on the Kickstarter site, so you can download that for free and get, a, you know, the rules as I've explained them poorly. So you might get a better idea if you want to play the game. Uh, 20 bucks gets you the base game and as well as a print and play version that you can you know, just print and play at the house. Uh, for $150, they will take your likeness, not just necessarily your pet, though you could do a com- combination, maybe put your dog's head on your body. And then there's three of five of those left. Uh, shipping is extra, and then delivery is expected December of this year. So, Larry, do you want to visit the apocalypse? Sounds like I'm saying that like I'm from Australia. It's the apocalypse. That's not Australian either. I don't know what that was. <laughs> Only if you're going to pull out the Barbie too. Um, mm-hmm. This reminded me of that scene from that was that a wildly popular Netflix show with all the horrible people getting killed after every game event. Uh, Squid was, Game. Yeah, where they had the the you know people were just getting pulled into the chasm, and that was awful. This seems much more lighthearted and fun. But yeah, mm-hmm. like you're saying, a two-player competitive game that doesn't take too long like that, and you don't have to really throw into. Uh, I like the sound of this, um, and it would be uh, it would be fun. I would I would challenge you. <laughs> I will accept your challenge, sir, on the field of the apocalypse. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Sean, any thoughts on this one? I think it sounds like a pretty decent beer and pretzels game. Mm. Right. It's not too serious. Yeah. You could throw it down. What? How long did they say it would take to play? I, I didn't write it down, but I think remember reading through, it's like 10, 15 minutes. It's a pretty short game. Yeah. It's like a warm-up game. Like one of the mm-hmm. warm-up games you throw down. Like Suro is one of those that we used to throw down. Move the, I play that game all the time. The tile game, right? Yeah. yeah. Great warm-up game to determine what you're going to play next that's going to take like two or three hours. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, it's interesting. Uh, I probably, I don't know if they have a demo of it. I'd probably look at maybe a demo or something that's online that, that might be interesting, but yeah, that mm-hmm. you know, sounds pretty reasonable to me that a couple beers and some pretzels, I'd be good to go on the apocalypse. Apocalypse. Michael, can I, you know, I think 20 bucks is the right price point sure. for something like that too. Can you explain a little bit more about the cheat part of that? Because is it something you're, the other players obviously got to have to catch you, right? Doing something. Well, it's not to say that the other players catch you. It's there's something to do with the math of the game, and I don't fully understand it. But like on the on the card, it actually is labeled as a cheating card. So when I lay it on the table, you're going to see that I'm cheating. But I think it has to do with the stacking. That like if I have a, a card on top of it, like it's not visible at when we do scoring. I think that's how it works. So it's not the player catches you. It's does the game's mechanic allowed the other player to reveal that cheating card, I believe is how it works. <laughs> All right. So, Larry, what is your second one this week, sir? 
the second one I wanted to bring to you was from Kickstarter. Um, it's called Askeleth, The Last Great City. That's a, a system-neutral zine toolkit, and it's described as weird science fantasy city role-playing. This one is brought to you to, to Kickstarter by Glenn Seal, who's got 12 created already, backed 102 um, on Kickstarter. Uh, he is running the Kickstarter and is doing some of the cartography, cartography for this one. And he's won some uh, gold enies and things. But he's ha collaborating with Rabid Halfling Press, and they're doing the uh, adventure uh, itself uh, for the, the bulk of the writing and everything. Uh, so this is, again, it's a, a zine, it's, or a zine, um, system neutral here, and it's got mostly uh, sectors of a city, uh, tables here that you can roll on. Um, it's got a lot of prompts for improvisation here, uh, and it also they mentioned that you can use it as a completely playable setting, but it's got some very sparse areas, and that's designed to let you fill in with your own stuff or even port it to a current campaign you're running or you know to throw in even just sections of this if you want to spice up a city or bring it over whole uh, not whole hog, but uh, I'm sorry, I can't remember the phrase now. But bring the entire thing over and set whole it down. cloth. That sounds good. Cut from whole cloth, that type of thing. But uh, like I said, it, it's got a lot of prompts. Um, the idea behind this, uh, the creators of the game were saying that you know they're running. They've got either children to take care of and things, uh, other their job pressure and whatnot. So they still want to run games. And how do you do that? You try to make it less prep for the person running or hosting the game. And this is a tool that's uh, designed to do that. So um, ideally here, you're going to be able to pull this. If you, if you like uh, what you see here, they've got some um, product specifications and uh, it's only at this point looking at 28 pages. So it is a, one of your smaller signs. It's the a five series or a five size. Um, less than six inches by by eight inches here um it's there's a free preview pages here you can look at to see how their prompts are written up in their tables but the you know again the idea behind it is to put it in your hands so you don't have to spend many hours at least if you're wanting to prep a city type adventure um this one project is going to be running through may 8th um the funding goal on this one is $2,600, but they're up near, I think they're up near 6,000 already. So it's fully funded. They're just over 6,000. Um, they have some stretch goals and this is converted uh, into American dollars from uh, pounds. So their next stretch goal at 6,400 is going to be a silver foil uh, for the cover highlights. And if they can hit 9,600, they're going to add four more pages that, uh, according to what they're saying in here, that it's 95% complete. Uh, so once the uh, project closes and they do get their funding, they plan on uh, being able to fulfill it pretty quickly. Um, August 2022 is right now what they're expecting to be the delivery date on this. And that would be for, uh, let's see, the uh, printed version and uh, the PDF could be released earlier, but they're hoping to get the print out by August. Uh, the cost to j jumping in on this is $9 for just the PDF version and $22 for the PDF version and the booklet version. Uh, the way they're fulfilling this is through uh, Glen Seal has Monkey Blood uh, Designs is his company, and they're doing the fulfillment through them. So shipping will be coming through Royal Mail. Uh, and if you're here in the U.S., I think it's about $6 to get the package sent to you. And they have a uh, you know, chart for figuring out other areas. 
but everything is being sent out and, and dealt with. There's no, no backer kit. It's going to be going through his company there. Gotcha. So the idea of this, again, isn't that there's a bunch of specific paths that you can follow. It's more like random creations and prompts for, you know, uh, you may have almost a Mad Libs type fill in the blank of here's your the person that hires you. This is what they want you to do. And this is where it might take you, that type of thing, right. instead of having that all specifically set out. And so you can take it, pick and choose whatever you like from this. I've got some of... Um, Glenn's items from other Kickstarters he's done. The I expect the cartography, the mapping to be top notch here. Um, you really get a look at the writing though with the pages that they're showing you, and I'm not really familiar with the Halfling uh, design, the company that's doing the majority of the actual writing and planning here. So um, they do give you their their pitches here to to look at. But I'm excited about this one because anything low prep like this, I'm finding more and more comes in handy as I'm you know, trying to run a couple games from home. And I think this will be a, a nice, helpful one for a city. Yeah, this seems to be, um, again, I'm fairly new to the zine, zine, I also don't know how to say it, uh, scene, zine, scene, scene, whatever. Uh, but uh, it seems like a lot of them are focused around the, this is like a, a game creation helper tool. There's just a lot of random charts and I'm a fan of those. I think they're very helpful. I like using them, even though I, I'm a very improv heavy GM. I don't use a lot of random tables, but every now and then I do like just to use like one to like, I, I want to come up with the majority of it, but just throwing that random element can really help spark in, in my, you know, my creativity and I'll go in a direction I didn't, didn't anticipate. And that's fun for me as well at the table. Uh, so yeah. And again, I think the price point said $9 for the PDF. It's, that's a great price point for something like that. I think. Yeah. I, I don't know what the conversion rates were doing because when I looked the other day, it was like $10. Now it's nine. So I, I don't know <laughs> if they fluctuate based on a daily thing, but um, one yeah. of the things I, I, for, I forgot to mention here is uh, they're doing uh, this as part one of a planned trilogy and it's called Ooh. the Finisterre trilogy. So the, I'm assuming they'll be following up, uh, you know, assuming this one, you know, goes well and uh, they'll be following up. But uh, with the fulfillment thing, uh, going through Monkey Blood, you can also add any of the products available there to to uh, if you want to go ahead and get some other items from from their store. So gotcha. just, you know, a little tie in there. Uh, PDFs will be fulfilled through RPG drive through. I'm sorry, drive through RPG. Mm-hmm. All right. Very cool. Sean, anything on this one? Yeah, I've backed Glenn in the past for some of his Midterlands products, and so and and I've followed Glenn's um, like what he's done as a cartographer. He won a Gold Any, which Larry mentioned too. Um, so I, it's it'll it's obviously funded. They're good on delivery, and the product itself is kind of something that appeals to me. It's system agnostic, yes, sir. Which you know, some people are like, uh, it's not maybe fifth edition. So I'm not sure, but the nice thing is it's for any game that you want to run, which means it's probably a little lower on stat blocks and more on flavor and what needs to be kind of put into place. So you could just, you know, whatever the encounter comes up with on a random chart, you know, you look up that monster, your favorite RPG of choice, and then just bring it in. So I, I, and it's a zine format. um, So it's not going to break the bank. And I'm, It'll be a top-notch product. I, I'm i actually interested in it myself, and I might back it. I think it came across my radar very briefly. Like, I think I saw it, and that was kind of it. Maybe going through the Kickstarters and didn't really delve deeper. 
um, and didn't realize Glenn was involved, which is probably a big selling point for me because I, I know of Glenn and his work. But yeah, it's it's just an interesting one for sure. Yeah, I like yeah, it. it's not it's not marked as one of the Kickstarter projects we love, which you know seems to really bring them to their front page. But like you mentioned there with the stat blocks and stuff, I'll, everything that they give you is there's four preview pages you can look at here. They give you names of people, maybe situations or even creature types. But yeah, they don't give you stat blocks for anything. So that's all up to your system. All right. Very, very cool. All right. So Sean, this brings you to your second one of the week. What are you looking at next? Well, so I kind of kind of throwing these guys for a loop because I wasn't sure whether I should have a fully baked, it's kicked off, there's a timeline or or what. And there's there's some that I thought, wow, these guys have been doing it for a little while and they probably got a list of these things that they've already gone over in their campaigns. So I did mark two that aren't actually launched yet, but I thought okay. that I am interested in and I do have a little info rather than, hey, this is coming, we're not sure when, blah, right? Okay. So one of them is the the campaign builder Cities and Towns by Kobold Press. If you're not familiar with Kobold Press, Wolfgang Bauer is kind of the head of that group and have put out pretty decent track record of successful Kickstarter specifically. And this is my understanding it'll be on Kickstarter. So if you're not familiar with them, some of these might ring a bell. Toma Beast, Vault of Magic, Tome of Heroes, Tome of Beast Three, Tome of Beast Two. And then there are a few like the Scarlet Citadel, I think, is another one that they did, which is an adventure-based one. But yeah. the reason I mentioned the Tome of Beasts, Vault of Magic, Tome of Heroes series is because those Kickstarters have done, on an average, of 6,700 backers. Huge. And then they've also had $444,000 on average uh, across all of those properties. Their adventure books do a little bit less, right? They do get funded, but the backer count's a little lower. You know, their their funding level is a little less. And so they must look at it and say, well, our adventures do well, but these tomes that we produce do even more. And so this, I think, is going to be up in that Toma Heroes. Probably, it'll probably fall right in between, I think, as far as funding and amount of backers, because I think it's it's a GM-based book. Um, but I think there's going to be plenty of players that probably want to look at it as well. So it's going to be based around obviously building cities and towns. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just watched an interview with Wolfgang and talking a little bit about it, about, you know, there's in these fantasy settings, we talk about water deep. We talk about uh, King's Landing, right? There's a lot of stuff that goes on in those urban environments. And so this is going to be, you know, people talk about those cities and towns and even campaigns, but how do you make your own and how do you make it appealing? And is there a s- systemic way of putting it all together? And he said that it is a little more on the crunchier side because that's what people are a little are kind of asking for. So I think it's right. going to be around fifth edition. Um, the launch is sometime in May uh, 2022. There's already uh, set over 1,700 followers on the cusp of hitting 1,800 just following it so they get notified when it right. launches. And then uh, they've created 23 Kickstarters altogether, and they've backed 202. So it's one of those companies that I think is going to do fairly well. I'd be surprised if it didn't got, get funded at all and didn't hit their funding right, right. goal. But yeah, that's so yeah. I, yeah, looking forward to that one. 
Sure. And we will have links again, even for, for this one, there's a notify me page. So that will be what we link in the show notes. If anyone's interested, they can go there and then click notify. So you will become one of those 18 or 100 or so. Yeah, you get in early at the ground floor. That's right. Uh, yeah, Cobalt Press is, you know, they have a great track record. I think they're very well known in this space. They do some of the most sought after third party, uh, you know, supplements for, like I said, the, you know, $700,000 for their Toma Beast 3 sort of thing. So I just, I assume it will fund and I'm sure it'll assume it will be delivered as promised pretty much around the time they say they will do it. It's just a matter of this is something that you personally are interested in. So Larry, is this something you would personally be interested in? It's something I'm going to go ahead and look at it when it does launch. I, I went to the notification page. I already have the previous, uh, I don't know if it's a previous version of this, but they have a Kobold guide to uh, campaigns or campaign building, but it's a smaller, like a soft cover, at least the version I've, I've got. So I imagine it's either much, much more bulk bucked, buffed up. I hope that didn't come out sounding naughty. Um, bucked up. <laughs> Yes. Oftentimes yep. I do. That's what I heard. Right. Uh, but uh, it was a helpful book, uh, learning how to try to put things together. And um, this seems like it's going to be a lot more chock full of, like you said, crunchier things. Um, most likely maybe breakdowns of your uh, what your people do in a city. Uh, I just, I don't know. I'm curious to find out though. And I do, I think, to, I think, I don't know if you said this directly, but I think you kind of inferred it or implied it, Sean, that, for people who are new to DMing, one of the anxiety points can be, I don't know what I'm doing. And when it comes to like building a city, how do you make a city feel like a city? You know, because in your head, you want it to be like King's Landing or Waterdeep or, you know, Sharn if you're in Eberron or whatever. And so any sort of tool set that can help you take some of that, you know, cognitive load off and make things where they make sense. Cause I know, I know I've had cities where like, if you take five minutes and investigate, well, how does the city survive? It seems to be in the middle of nowhere. There's no trade routes. There's no waterways. How do people eat? Like, just don't worry about it. Just go fight the dragon. Get the hell out of here. So, you know, if you have supplements that can help you do a better job that, or just make it easier on you, I think that's a good, it's a good thing to be out there, whether, you know, I would actually use it or not. Probably not. Cause I'll just make up stupid stuff anyways. And it doesn't matter. Um, but again, I think Cobalt Press is a is a well informed, you know, stalwart company in this place. The uh, the out. interesting piece you mentioned too, Michael, is the you know you could use Sharn and Zobek and and Waterdeep as backdrops to your favorite urban you know fantasy adventure, and there's nothing wrong with that at all. Sometimes remembering all the details of those cities or referencing the material, dungeon masters, GMs will get hung up on because they don't want to, quote unquote, screw it up, right? You know, if I mess the the, the nuances of the, the gangs and the names and the neighborhoods or whatever, that could throw everything off because I, mm-hmm. even though your players will never know. But making up your own, I think, sometimes has some pretty decent value because then it's in your brain. It's coming from that origin of thought. And I think we can retain some of the things that we come up with. But if we, we kind of mess that up, it's we could just circle back and just say, well, you misheard it or what have whatever the case right. is. You're not referencing a tome to go through the index and go, oh, shoot, I got to remember what these gangs are and what they're doing and they're, mm-hmm. what their motivations are because I make them up. And so yes. this will help that game master do that i think all right very very cool 
So we're going to move into our third now. Uh, my third this week is called Children of Uma. This is also on Kickstarter. This was created by John McGuire. Uh, third created, they backed 80. Both of the two previous are games that are built off the same engine that this game is based off of. It's called There's 321 Action RPG Engine. Uh, quickly found on the internet, it's a, it's a D10 roll under system. Very much a narrative game, rules light, cinematic style game. Their other games appear to have been delivered on time. This project is currently, or at least was a Friday, 46% funded, 3,200 roughly on a goal, 7,000. It also has 25 days to go, ends on May 19th. All three of mine did. They must have all popped in the same day I started looking. Um, so Children of Uma is a full-length, 100-plus page, black-and-white book um, that you will use the 3-2-1 action RPG rule set. The adventure is a love letter to all the great 70s and 80s post-apocalyptic action adventures that John grew up watching, where a band of plucky survivors roam the wasteland in a race for their lives. Very much Mad Max sort of inspired. Uh, there is a free download of the 321 Action Engine rulebook available on their Kickstarter page, so you can read about the rules for the game. Uh, sort of the big new twist for this version is vehicle-to-vehicle uh, -vehicle combat. So like in the video, uh, John talks about like you can show up on a dirt bike, jump onto someone else's like, you know, ATV, throw the driver out, jump in, and now you're, you're driving that into the combat. Um, so their very first game was called Ski Quest, which was a solo adventure. And then they had, uh, no, sorry, Rocket to Russia was the first one, which I think was like a James Bond sort of thing. Then they had Escape from Point Nemo. And then this Children of Uma. So each each product is basically an adventure, but it all uses the rule set. Um, da, 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 yeah. So uh, ten bucks gets you the PDF for three, two, one action rule book, Ski Quest, a solo adventure, and Children of Uma. So for ten bucks, you get PDFs of all three of those. For fifteen dollars, you also get the two previous games, Rocket to Russia and Escape from Point Nemo. 20 bucks will get you those same PDFs and physical softcover versions of all the three before as well. And then 35 for the hardcover. Shipping obviously is extra, but they have taken a bold stand, my friends, see. that they have locked in their shipping prices as of right now. And even if it goes up, they're not going to change it. So if you back now, you're locked in at basically today's shipping rates. And if they go up, they will, they will eat that loss rather than loss rather than pass it on to the consumer. So I think that's one of their sort of like, why don't you please back us now uh, plans, which I think actually kind of works um, as someone who is currently designing a game. Wait, have you, have I not told you about this? Uh, that it's all about action sort of cinematic style gameplay. This, I was drew, drawn to this one as well. I also have a fondness for the original Mad Max movies. Uh, you know, I like simple cinematic gameplay uses the D10, not the D12. That's their, clearly they made a mistake there. Right. But other than that, this seems like a fun thing. And those price points honestly are kind of ridiculous. I think they're almost too low. Yes. 10 bucks for three PDFs, 15 for five PDFs. Like, uh, I think that's almost kind of a steal. Yeah, the price on that is – that's hard not to pass up, but looking at it objectively, it's also like, ooh, that's – the same thing with the shipping. Why I, I I see why you know they're wanting to lock in prices to maybe make you feel more secure about what you're going to end up – your price is going to be. But, I mean, the likelihood of a shipping actually going down is tiny, 
but the, it seems like likelihood of it going up is significant enough to where this seems risky. And it seems like uh, one of those uh, Kickstarters where you're going to read about it as, you know, we barely broke even, you know, getting this thing yep. out the door. But uh, yeah, the system sounds interesting to look at and it's certainly uh, affordable. Yeah. I I think my, my Michael brain here is telling me that they expect this to be heavily PDF based. Like I think the majority of people who back it will go the PDF route. So then shipping, shipping really doesn't matter. Uh, you know, they're setting a pretty low price point for the PDFs, but then for just $5 more, you get the others, but the others are already done. Basically that's all profit to them at this point. Mm-hmm. So I think it kind of makes sense from that standpoint. If this was their first one, those would all be red flags for me. Like there's something up this, you know, the product isn't actually done or it's, it's going to be kind of skimpy, but seeing as how they've already produced three, both of them success or two others successful. They seem to have a small following for this, this uh, RPG engine they've developed. I think this is just sort of a small, basically safe uh, campaign with a few points they're just trying to draw people in. I, again, I'm just making stuff up. I have the answer. Okay, I have the answer. Me. I have the answer. So John Hambone McGuire and and Stu Horvath, they're, they both they're both hosts of Vintage RPG podcast. Okay. So they're podcasters. So they're rolling in the dough already, right? So they have money mm-hmm. to burn. And you're right. So, you didn't even think of that. How foolish of me. You know, it's small oversight, Michael, because we live in our own little kind of, you know, luxury world uh, mm-hmm. of podcasting. Yeah. So I think that's where this probably comes into play, where he's he's it's all about the creative, trying to get it out to the masses so he can share the creative venture with all those folks that can also be creative using them. And so I think when it comes down to that money piece, they just it's it's something to have. But, hey, if they make a million dollars or if they make a thousand dollars to them, not a big deal. Right. I don't think right. at least to John. Right. So that's, that's my uh, hypothesis there. So, you know, I, I have no way to refute it as far as I know it's, it's a law or theory, whatever the better one is in science. <laughs> Hyperbole. Awesome. All right. Probably. So, Hyper- exactly. Right. Yep. So with them having the system down as far as their D10, I'm sorry, not the D10 system, their three, two, one action system, They've went ahead, like you said, everything's been created, the system's in place, and they're just making this uh, setting for it this time. So this, you know, as a self-contained game. So um, I don't see why you wouldn't jump in, at least to try it out. If uh, Mad Max is, you know, up your alley, interest, Mm -hmm. it almost sounds like like a really cool version of Car Wars from like 40 years ago. Uh, if you can start out on a motorcycle and jump in an El Camino, maybe even have a rocket launcher or a flamethrower on it. Uh, I'm going to get my silver spray paint right now. Right now, I'm just spraying (laughs) my face. I'm going to go nuts playing this game. Was it chrome and shiny, something like that? Yeah. Shiny and chrome? I don't know. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Again, I think for 10 bucks, honestly, it's almost like it's it's almost like buying a lottery ticket. I think it's worth 10 bucks just to see what it is and if it turns out to be garbage. I don't think it would be, but just say it is terrible. It only costs you ten bucks, and there's a really big upside that if, if it turns out this three, two, one action system is is fun, you can design your own adventures. You get all these other things thrown in. And I'm honestly, it's like almost like you'd be losing money not to back it at this point. And I kind of think that's what they're going for. They're trying to get people drawn in because of that very low price point. And then you know, to me, that also speaks to the fact that they actually are pretty convinced that if you check it out, you'll enjoy it. And I have a feeling there'll be a fourth one coming out soon and a fifth one. I think they're trying to grow their consumer base and, you know, 
basically it's almost like a lawsuit. They're, they're going to keep coming out with these. If they can get 20, 30 more backers every time, eventually they'll be doing cobalt press numbers. Going out on a limb again. I know I'm crazy, Michael, and I apologize. But I think if if John McGuire gets these products out into the marketplace and it just opens things up for him and the org significantly, there's this one company that's out there that people feel compelled to write supplements for because they have a huge, huge following, right? Yep. World's most popular role-playing game. I don't know. So when you have your company doing three, two, one action, you know, you create that market and then everybody else, like myself, Larry, you are going to be writing for three, two, one action mm-hmm. system eventually, I think it is the plan. Yeah. And then which case all that money, you know, trying to make the huge profit in the beginning, it comes, it's, he's playing the long game. That's right. Plain line. Plain line. And I hope it works for them because that's very similar to what I will be doing soon with Action 12 Cinema coming to Kickstarter soon. Build your All bandwagon right. and let people jump on. <laughs> that is exactly right. All right, Larry, what do you have for your third one this week, sir? Well, this one uh, is called Shadow Under Hard Flint Hall. It is on Kickstarter and it is created by someone you know, JVC Perry. Oh, JBC. Yes, uh, a former host. Uh, he is doing this one. It's his fourth created and 19th backed on Kickstarter here. This one is going to be running through May 10th. Um, it's got a goal of $3,900. Again, this one is converted from uh, what British pounds, I believe, here. Um, and currently it's sitting at $6,300. So it's past funding. It's into the stretch goals now. Still has 15 days to go as of today. Uh, he's going to be adding four new monsters for fifth edition. I'm sorry. This is a fifth edition product. Uh, just so you, so you know, and it's a sort of a miniature adventure path created for tier one characters to take them from first level up through fifth. Um, and it's broken down into five different chapters and there's a synopsis of each chapter telling you what the, the reason that your characters can get involved here and how it leads to the next chapter. So he's got a very nice breakdown of how it's uh, going to be uh, themed around this one particular um, uh, town called Sharpstone that uh, the people, your characters start in and something awful happens. And that leads to trying to help with that, which leads to, you know, more and more of those little MacGuffins you're you're chasing, but you're actually finding them in the next chapter. So these aren't uh, red herrings; these are really placed. Um, as far as they've upgraded, another stretch goal is to upgrade full color art. They've passed that one. They've added the town map and the dungeon map have been upgraded to full color. He's got at ten thousand, I think it was ten thousand um, pounds. He's got a surprise stretch goal. So we won't even know what it is till they get closer to that. Ooh. The uh, it comes in PDF form where you can get um, a soft cover here for $14. That will get you the PDF. Uh, $20 gives you the PDF and the soft cover. Now this will uh, either any version you get, as long as it includes the PDF, which both of those do, you can, it will also include um, the map and art for a virtual tabletop use. So you can go ahead and, you know, as long as you get your PDF, that'll come uh, with it included. PDF should be ready uh, by May of uh, this year, and the book uh, should be available in September. Um, this is his project here, I believe. Uh, he's got some other artists uh, listed here at the end, but he's done all the writing. Um, mentions that it is done. 
uh, they've already got everything colorized and they've, they've shown uh, examples of the color map, the town map. They're very nice. Um, there's some add-ons you can get. You can buy a uh, version of the map itself. The town uh, of Sharpstone has its own color map. You can get that separately. You can buy additional soft cover products. He's also got a funding level uh, that you can get the JVC bundle, and it lists several other uh, products in there, including the ones that this Kickstarter's for. You can pick up Drakkar, Peculiar Children, and Polter Fungeist. So those are some other products of his, and you can get those um, in the PDF version. Shipping is included in the pledge because I didn't see where it was mentioned, and I asked him, and he replied, "It's it's included in your pledge amount." Oh, so nice. yeah, I thought that was nice to hear too. But I, again, the the adventure here starts from level one to five is the plan for it. I I like the the breakdown he gave us. I thought was very well written, and it's got me to where I think this would be easy to run as far as you've got good things in place uh, and and a theme to the adventure. And um, I'm really uh, looking at back in this one simply because I think it'll be useful and practical. I do not have a page count here on it, but um, I, I do like the look of it. And, you know, feel free to take a look and make up your own mind on this. Yeah. Again, uh, links to all these campaigns will be in the show notes. Yes. And you've probably seen his work on the DMs Guild or, or in Drive Through, where he's released other things as well. Mm-hmm. All right, very cool. Shawnee, any experience with uh, with JVC? Have you ever seen any of his products or the other companies he's worked with? I have not. This would be all new, uh, a new, new adventure and new individual that I'm not familiar with. All right. So yeah, so JVC was like the one of the original co-hosts when we first started this game, this game podcast a couple of years ago, right before COVID hit, um, and then we stopped for a while. Um, and then he's now he's super busy cause he's very doing all the things. He works with lore Smith games, Nord games, uh, multiple like, um, best-selling adventures on DM skills. So he's very prolific, nice. um, and well-regarded in the, in the space, I believe. And I should note that, that my lack of knowledge of him is not any indication of obviously his, his work. Oh, no, no. Repertoire. The only reason is, is that I'm not doing a ton of 5e playing, but nonetheless. Mm-hmm. No. But the rumors of your hatred of it are much exaggerated. <laughs> they are totally exaggerated. People yeah. make a joke that I hate 5e. I do not hate 5e. For the record, I am on another show saying that I don't hate 5e. It's just not something I'm not playing right now. So the takeaway, Sean hates 5e. Oh, I'm going to buy all these Kickstarters it. that are 5th edition based <laughs> just to prove everybody wrong. Nice. All right. So thank you very, Larry. All right, Sean, bring us home, buddy. What is your third one All for right, the week? I'm gonna I'm gonna go uh on this one. And uh it's one called Flea Mortals. I'm gonna I'm gonna talk about Matt Coville's MCDM Bagel. Never heard of him. If, yeah, he's this guy YouTuber. Uh he's done two Kickstart three Kickstarters before this one. Three. I think they were all over a million dollars. Crazy. This one's at 1.5 of 600,000. I don't know. He's mm. out of control, this guy and his group. Uh, so it's a fifth edition monster book. Essentially how they sum it up is monsters for your fifth edition game that are fun to run and fun to fight. So this is the MCDM monster book Kickstarter. Um, it's got. 18,000 coming up on 19,000 backers, seven days to go. 
They have a $2 million stretch goal that Matt thinks is completely impossible and crazy to even put out there. But I don't, you know, can you raise 500 grand in seven days? Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. I wouldn't put it by these guys. You can actually click on one of the links in the Kickstarter to get a 24-page preview. 24 pages. So you'll see the entire layout. It's very fifth edition look and feel, right? It doesn't break the immersion or, or I guess the consistency across the product line, if you will. And uh, it's, it's impressive for sure. And of course, given the fact that he's, he's writing some of the monsters for D and D has to stay within the OGL, right? You can't have the beholder in there specifically, but there's some things that are pretty similar and uh, definitely different flavors and takes on what some of these monsters are able to do. So you might have like four iterations of a goblin, depending on what type of goblin you want to throw at your party. And those goblins have kind of uh, an impact on the rest, right? If you've got, you know, chief goblin, and then you have a bunch of other ones. So there is, I think, some synergies within the monsters themselves. And and Matt's, uh, I think, liked fourth edition a little bit not to say that this is a lot of fourth edition components but i think there's a little bit of influence into how he's stepping up with some of these monsters so there's a lot of a few different uh pledge levels the first one which the feedback i've heard is maybe a little higher for a pdf but it's 40 bucks for the digital only version um and then if you go up from there 70 dollars if you want the that's the first physical level plus the PDF. Um, and then I think there's a hundred dollars or more, the $200 bundle. Uh, I would imagine that if you do back this, he's going to give you the opportunity to, you know, kick in for previous Kickstarters that he's done. If you want to put in add on products. But, um, one of the things I think I wanted to just mention quickly is the stretch goals. Um, which is, Rival adventurers, so if they hit 800K, which they did, so they're going to add seven unique rival adventuring parties. Um, layers and hordes, if they hit 1 million, which they did. Every action-oriented monster, at least 20 in this book, gets their own layer, complete with maps and encounters and a new unique treasure hoard. So they're going to make the product even more, like better and, and enriched, enriched, I guess. And then the last one's like a campaign in Africa around the, the top somewhere. So if they break the 2 million mark, uh, they're going, MCDM will live stream at least one round of the campaign for North America. And it's a legendary over the top 10 player strategy war game from the late seventies that passed into history as being the most ambitious logistical simulation of the real world, world war two conflict. It's famous. It was famous when I was, when he was young, a uh, young nerd, he said, who liked all kinds of games. So I, I don't know much about that particular game, but if it's touted as being the most ambitious logistical simulation of World War II, I might want to see that happen. But So it says, according to the box, it takes 1,500 hours to play. <laughs> but A, no one actually knows how long because no one has ever actually completed a game. Right. 
So, all right. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. So, yeah, I think Matt Colville, um, I, partially I'm jealous of his success because I, I have listened to some of his videos and they're all very well done. But he and I have almost the exact same opinions on a lot of things. I'm like, I've been saying the same stuff for years, but, you know, I don't have a million followers. But at the same time, I feel like he's done everything right. He came up with this first Kickstarter. It hit a million dollars, so over successful that he built a company off of that success, he pays some of the best rates in the industry for the freelancer. So he's taken his success and has definitely spread the word wealth. A friend of the show and kind of a friend, James Intercasso, is now like, I guess, like the second in charge over there. And he, I mean, he has nothing but heaps of praise for the generosity that Matt has shown to. He's trying to change the industry from the inside out. So yes, 40 bucks for PDF is expensive. 70 bucks for hardback is expensive, but it's expensive because he's paying the people who make these books a fair wage. Yeah. And realistically, all the other books should probably be this cost. Like this should not be an outlier, but it's because people are still paying pennies for the word and stuff right. like that. And that's why those books are still coming out at 40 bucks for a hardback when they really shouldn't be. You know, that's a good point, Michael. I'm glad you brought that up because I think that's that's really important to put out there because there's a lot of people that are like, pay the creators, pay the creators. What? $10 PDF? What? Right, right. Like, come on now. Let's, you know, yeah. let's put it all in perspective here. So good for Matt and, and doing that. And uh, yeah, I'm, it's good to hear. I, I know of James, of course, and and he he's like the I think he's like the editor in chief for Arcadia, if I'm not mistaken. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so they do good work. So, all right, very very cool. I think we have some amazing campaigns this. I keep saying week, but we do this every other week this time. Mm -hmm. uh, so now we get to play our favorite game, and this is the Going Last Memorial Kickstarter. And again, Going Last was a podcast I loved. Rich and Kenna, you're in my heart forever. Unfortunately, it faded away. They both got, you know, real lives got in the way. But the idea here is that we are each going to imagine we have all the imaginary money in the world and we can back any of these Kickstarters that we've talked or the campaigns we've talked about today at any level that we want. But in doing so, we are siloed in that we can never even play the others, even if someone else backs them and we go to their house. Nope, sorry, can't do that. I did a Kickstarter once in 2022 and can't do that now. So uh, I'll start with Larry. Larry, you have all the imaginary money in the world. Which of these campaigns? Now, one of them actually hasn't launched yet. So I so technically we'll say the other eight because we don't know this, the levels for that one. Which one of these are you going to pick start with your imaginary money, sir? I think I'm going to bring the pleasure of the uh, the AR gaming to my uh, my people that I play with that aren't here, that aren't local. And I'm going to pledge and get the Arcana app all the terrain, everything. It says pleasure a thousand or more, but I'm going to say probably uh, well over that. Just dump a ton of money into that and hope that it pans out because it looks like a <laughs> wonderful place to play my fantasy adventures with my uh, my friends and family. Yeah, so d definitely in this game, that is probably the, the one that's like the beacon, the, like the lighthouse and the shine of the night because it is so expensive at those levels. If, like if I have all the imaginary money in the world, why wouldn't I drop $1,000 or even $10,000 on that one? But I don't think I would use it. Like I don't think I would ever get even a moment's value out of it. And that's me. That's not, I'm not saying you, but for me, I don't think I would. So... I think I would probably, just because all the three of the ones that I picked are all very reasonably priced, mm -hmm. if I'm playing with other people's money, I probably would back Flea Mortals uh, at one of their higher tiers. 
Well, you are well known as a uh, theater of the mind uh, DM, so I can see your point there. Yeah, I just I just wouldn't do if someone else did it for me. Like you know, I take my millions I get off this podcast every week, and I hired like an intern to like create those for me, and then I just played them. I would, but unfortunately, I've got all of my my money's tied up in crypto right now, so I don't have. I'm not very liquid. Um, all right, so Sean, so again, first time here. I hope I think the game makes sense. You got all the imaginary men in the world. You get to pick one of these that you're going to back at any level, but you can never even touch the others. Which one of these are you going to support? You know, I'm torn. I'm torn be between uh, Arcana. Um, I think Arcana augmented reality with Joe. And only reason for that one is because I think I could use it for different systems, right? It's kind of system right. agnostic. I can, I don't have to buy all the physical terrain, but it can enhance maybe some of my games. So I'm thinking that one, or I know it's going to be, it's going to be kind of a shock. Maybe not. Probably you guys probably have me pegged for this, but I'm thinking maybe tug of warriors. I'm thinking mm. the Apol, Apolak, Apol, the Apolcopolis. I can't even say that. I think the the apocalypse. <laughs> I sound like my mother trying to pronounce a word. Um, I, I think maybe beer pretzels, fifteen minute game for the rest of my days uh, outside of these. You know, nine. I don't know. It's a game for tuggers. That's right. I like to think of myself sometimes as a tugger. <laughs> I, I have tugged in my life. I shall tug again in my life. Off the rails. I like this show already. I love it. <laughs> uh, no, but I probably go with Ar- Arcana. Uh, number two, probably, you know, probably the Tug of Warriors, but, you know, no, yeah, Arcana. I mean, if it was a pirate theme thing, it was actually Arcana, I would have been all in on that one. But but as it is, I, I, I just can't do it. So close. So, yeah. All right. Well, gentlemen, thank you so much for hanging out this morning. I really appreciate you doing what you do, coming on the show. Uh, Larry, Sean, always a pleasure to, ha- uh, to have you on, Larry. Sean, it's very much a pleasure to get to meet you this first time and, and hang out with you for a little bit. One last time around the horn, let people know where they can find you on the interwebs, if they want to go check out any of the work that you've been involved in, blogs, podcasts, other products, projects, whatever. Larry, where can people find you? Um, on Twitter at Mumphrey999 is where I usually spend my days and my sorry, sorry nights. And uh, also I have a uh, anchor cast called Mumphrey's Musings where week to week you get a uh, little uh, summary of what my 5th uh, edition Curse of Strahd game did uh, that, that week. All right. Very, very cool. And then, Sean, one more time, where can people find your show? After, again, where can they go interact with you online uh, if you have presence there yeah thanks for having me on the show i appreciate it It was really fun uh, i really liked it and enjoyed myself immensely uh if you want to follow me and get any things that i got going on you can follow me on twitter at sean p kelly there's a nuance to my name so it's s-e-a-n middle initial p last name k-e-l-l-e-y they missed the second mm. e so there you go uh otherwise you could Catch Gaming and BS at GamingNBS.com or your favorite podcatcher of choice. And then I stream on Saturday mornings, also on YouTube Live. Talk about some industry news of the RPG industry, hobbies, what's going on, Kickstarters, uh, Indiegogo, things of that nature. And as well as like a main topic that's really driven by the, the folks that show up and keep me company in the chat. So that's Saturdays, 8 p.m., 8 p.m., 8 a.m. <laughs> Central Time. You'll be alone at 8 p.m. 8 a.m. Central Time. Just follow how the number two RPG.com and it'll take you there. 
There you go. Very good. And again, there'll be links to all these things in the show notes. So again, just Sean, send me all that and I will throw them the links in. I'll quickly, I mentioned this was a funny story. So I stream video games Monday through Friday. Most of the time I've, you know, a few times things uh, get in the way. So Friday I was streaming super Metroid and apparently I just forgot to hit in stream, got up and left. And my stream last, it ran for like another 15 hours. And I didn't even know till the next day, someone's like, Hey, your stream's still going. And like, no one was in the room. So it was just, it was just shooting on my room. <laughs> No audio, like not even my cat jumped on the screen. It was completely nothing. And I went, I got my summary. Over 70 people jumped in at some point to check out the stream and one person subscribed. So the only thing I can imagine is that my unoccupied room for 13 hours is more compelling than me actually playing the video games. Why shut it off? Why shut it off? (laughs) Why shut it off? It's like an ASMR kind of type of thing. It's just, it's just, you know, it's like or like the fireplace thing. Like in the holidays, you can go to the channel. It's just playing a fire. Like fireplace. that's just, just seeing my room was calming for some people. Maybe a second story guy was casing the joint. Yeah, yeah, that's a ticket. See. As for myself, Michael, you can find most of what I do at the RPG Academy. Uh, we can find all the podcast players, the RPGacademy.com. You can email us here at the RPGacademy at gmail.com if you have any comments, questions, concerns. If you have any project, whether it's one you yourself are creating or you just you saw one that you liked and you would like us to take a look at, you can email us there. No promises that we will, but we often have, and we do like getting notified because it makes our job easier. It does. I do another show. It's a Smallville rewatch show. We are in the, currently in the middle of season four. So if you like Smallville, the TV show, you can find that at Farm to Fable. And then sort of the last thing we, we kind of changed here, um, or not changed, we, we've added this in, not to bring things down, but games are supposed to be fun. And if you find yourself not having fun doing the things that you normally like to do, that is one of the first signs that you may be struggling with a mental health issue. So going forward at the end of on all of our show notes and every episode, there will be links to the National Suicide Prevention Hotline, the Crisis Hotline, and the Trevor Project. So if you or someone you know is struggling with mental health issue, please reach out, find someone that you can talk to and get yourself the help or the, the people around you the help they need. So with that, we are going to sign off by saying what we always say here at the RPG Academy is if you're having fun, you're doing it right. Thank you, and we'll see you next time.